following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. Today is the second part of my uh, farewell sermon. Last week I got to preach on one of my two kind of personally favorite passages. I think back and just be a little nostalgia. It was Ephesians 4, the passage I preached from when I came to candidate. Today I'm preaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, which was the passage I preached from on my very first Sunday as pastor here at Cornerstone. I will again, like last week, begin with an apology. This will be very uh, personal, and I'll go ahead and warn you now, not that anyone will ever complain about such a thing, it will be very brief, all right, very, very brief. That's your real Mother's Day present, ladies, okay, right there. You get to go home and get to lunch a little early. But we're going to begin by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 31, and then we will go to the Lord in prayer, if you will look at your Bible. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus." who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we pray uh, that you will bless our time this morning. May you be glorified in and through it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I thought I would tell you the story of my very first sermon, The Unknown story of my very first sermon uh, here at Cornerstone. It was September 9th, 2007, but in order to tell you that story, I actually have to back up just a few days and tell you a little bit about the week prior. Not everybody knows this about our family, but the house we live in now, I purchased without Jamie ever having seen it. Men, by the way, not your best choice in life. If you get a chance to undo that you can uh, or not do that, feel free to take that little advice. So Jamie had never seen it, uh, the first time that she saw the house was when we pulled up in front in the, in the moving truck on September 3rd. And as we pulled up, she looked at the outside, and she's like, okay, I like it. I like the neighborhood. She was happy. And then we opened the door and walked inside, and neither of us were happy, you see. Um, when we opened the door, and this is no exaggeration. A few people in this room remember this. Uh, we were greeted by an overwhelming stench of dog urine. I mean, overwhelming. Now, when we bought the house, I knew the people had, some, had dogs, and I, when I looked at the house, I smelled it, but not bad. But when they moved out, they paid to have the carpets steam cleaned. 
And what I think happened was it pulled all of that back up and freshened it up for us so we could walk right in and enjoy that. Um, so that was a little discouraging, you know, to walk into that because uh, we realized right away, I mean, it was so bad. There was no, all of our plans for the move in at that moment came to a screeching halt because we knew we had to rip out all the carpets. Uh, we were going to have to kill like the floors and walls and ceilings to try to get rid of the stain. We'd have to paint everything then. The carpet we discovered the next day wouldn't be even installed until the following week. So we had a mess on our hands. And, uh, you know, because of all of that, because we're ripping out carpets, we couldn't move into our bedrooms. And so a lot of our stuff went in the garage. Some of it went into our living room, dining room. We put our mattresses on the floor uh, in our living room. And that was where we began to sleep for that first week. Needless to say, that was quite a miserable week, a miserable and exhausting week. Uh, Every day, you know, from, I think it was a Monday we pulled in, uh, from Tuesday on, every day morning to night was work, like paint and clean and scrub and try to like fix all that you could. Uh, we couldn't find anything because, you know, we couldn't unpack and stuff. Our whole moving plan had fallen apart, so everything was like scattered in random places, so we didn't know where anything was. And if that wasn't fun enough, Hannah, who was two at the time, ended up with bronchitis midweek. And so now she's sick and like uh, it was just a mess. And then on top of all of that, Sunday was coming. And I knew Sunday was coming. And it, I, you know, I hadn't come to Virginia Beach prepared. It had been a very quick window from the time we came here to candidate. And then two weeks later, the church voted. And so we didn't know if we were going to even be voted in. So you know, once they voted, I think it was like the next weekend, Nathaniel and I had to come on a plane by ourselves to pick out the house. Jamie's brother was getting married. That's why she wasn't with us. And, um, and like two weeks after that, we were here. So I mean, I had turned in my notice at work and like we're scrambling to to pack the house and show up. So I had not come prepared. Uh, There was no transition. Pastor Tim had left a couple weeks before I got here. Each day of that week, I kept getting up thinking, I'm going to study some today. But of course, by the time you get busy working and you're like, I'll I'll do it tomorrow. And then the next day, I'll do it tomorrow. And next thing you knew, it was Saturday. And I'm I'm waking up Saturday morning still with a lot of work to do because carpet's coming Monday. And and I'm like, I I just got to work. By that night, Finally, I'm like, I have to put down the paintbrush. I have to have something ready for tomorrow. I was a nervous wreck inside because of this. And so, you know, here it is Saturday night. Um, Our house is destroyed. Hannah's sick. I have nowhere in my house I can go to, to work, to study, except for one place, one room that was available. And you've probably already guessed it. It was the bathroom. I, I found a scrap piece of paper and a pen, my Bible. I then go into our bathroom. The toilet becomes my desk. I sit on the floor, back against the tub, and I open up my Bible, and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, and I really didn't. I, I sat there for I don't know how long thinking through it all, and I finally turned to 1 Corinthians 1 because it was a passage that had been kind of special to me and growing uh, in its importance in my mind over the prior uh, weeks. You know, as I was anticipating coming here, I was 29 years old. I I knew nothing. (laughs) I had never had any position of leadership uh, in any kind of a ministry. I had zero experience, zero skill. So to say I was a little intimidated would be an understatement. And so in those weeks prior, as I was, you know, thinking through all of that and just wrestling through that in my own mind, I, I, I came to 1 Corinthians 1, and I just began to spend a lot of time meditating in that. If you have your Bibles open, you look at it, you see, you know, starting in verse 27, I think here, 
that, you know, he's talking about us as believers, not about ministry, not about vocation. He's just talking to us as believers, and he says, listen, not many wise are called, not many strong, not many people who are of noble birth. Um, God tends to call the weak, and he tends to call the foolish, and he tends to call the base. And I think I even said this in that very first sermon. I said, when you read verses 27 and 28, you should be kind of insulted. Because basically what Paul is telling you is you're probably a weak and foolish, uh, common person, and that's why Jesus chose you. Um, but it's okay. It's okay because in verse 30 he says, then we've been given Christ. And it's Christ then who becomes our wisdom. And it's Christ who is our justification and our sanctification and our redemption. In other words, Christ becomes all the things we're not. And so it's okay to be weak and it's okay to be foolish because in the end, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. That's, that's what Paul is getting at there. And so as I'm like, you know, processing what's about to happen, the big change of life and coming here and the responsibility, I, that's what I'm processing as well. I'm like, you know what, I, you're right. I don't have, I have no experience no knowledge, no wisdom. I have nothing to offer personally. But what I have is Jesus, Jesus Christ in the scriptures, and that's really all that anybody needs. So, I, so that was my sermon that day. I, I, I sat down. I thought I'd share all these great truths, all these things that have been very special to me. So I jot my notes down on my piece of paper that was literally this big. I wish I had it, but I think it's been lost. It was literally this big, tucked it in my Bible, walked out, all the lights are out. The, Jamie's trying to sleep. Kids are asleep. Lay down. Next morning comes, I wake up, I'm a nervous wreck, right? You know, I'm just oh, scared to death, first Sunday, right? Show up at the uh, school, Corporate Landy Elementary School, I had to do the introduction, uh, just the welcome time, like, hey, I'm Stacy, nice to meet you, you know, kind of like that, and then we sang some songs, I did some of the normal things, and finally it was my time to preach my very first sermon. So up I went, pulled out my notes, put it on the stand, had my Bible open, and I preached. Oh, I preached my heart out. And when I was done preaching, I prayed and said amen, and I walked over and I sat down next to Jamie, and, and I'm pretty sure she leaned over to me and goes, that was kind of short. <laughs> to which I then like looked over, there was a clock on the wall from where I was sitting on the left, and I kind of like glanced over at it, and I'm like, oh my, it was really short. Uh, we sang a final song, and uh, we're done, and an older gentleman in the church came up to me and said, do you want to know how long you preached right there? And I was like, how long? He goes, 12 and a half minutes. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Oh, I was, I was mortified. If I could have crawled under a rock right there and died, I think I would have. Uh, <laughs> it was bad. And I was telling someone in between the two services, like, the worst was that I had to come back. We had Sunday night services, so I had to come back that night and see everybody. Everybody's giving me a hard time about it. And I was committed that the next Sunday I was going to preach a long sermon. I didn't know if I had anything to say, but it was going to be long. Um, as I stand here today, 10 and a half years, you know, removed from that Sunday and think back on it, and by the way, I'm going to give that 12 and a half minutes run for its money this morning. Um, as I think back on that very first sermon, I, I, I do two things. First of all, I just laugh. <laughs> I just laugh. What embarrassed me so much that first Sunday is now quite funny to me because I actually got to stand up and be a living illustration of the weak foolishness of, of what, it, you know, the kind of person Jesus chooses. So that was fine. Um, but secondly, I I just want to give testimony, though, to the truthfulness of that passage and how much it has proved itself true over the past 10 and a half years because I stand here today and I'm no wiser, I'm no stronger, I'm no more noble, I'm nothing more different than I was then. And so whatever Cornerstone has become over this time is due to nothing more 
than the grace of God. And I just want to give thanks to God for that because he alone gets the glory. And so I want to do a little thanking um, this morning. I want to first, like I said, thank God publicly for his goodness to us over these past 10 and a half years. If you've been around Cornerstone for any length of time, especially in the days when uh, Ed Hensler was an elder, then you know one of his favorite words for us, and he mainly aimed it at the leadership, but it actually applies to all of us as pinheads. He's like, we're all just pinheads. We don't know what we're doing, and he's right. And so that the God has worked in this church over the years, has used it and grown it, is, um, you know, the glory goes to him, and I'm so thankful to him for that. I, I don't know what else I could say. I secondly, want to thank my family. Uh, if anyone should get praise and thanks, it's it's my wife and kids because they bore my burden so that I could bear cornerstones. Um, thankful for them. I'm not going to cry, so we're going to hold that back till later. Um, but I am so thankful for Jamie and Nathaniel and Hannah uh, and their love for me. I want to thank the elders, past and present. Uh, they have been my best friends, my confidants, my pastors. And they are a wonderful group of men. You don't even know how, how much they love you, how much they have loved me and my family. So I'm thankful to them. And of course, last but not least, I am thankful to all of you, right? The people of Cornerstone, past and present. Cornerstone has been a conveyor belt of a church over the years, right? If everybody who's been a part of Cornerstone over the years were here this morning, my goodness, the doors would be busting out and walls would be coming down because over these last 10 and a half years, actually over all 16, 17 years now, of Cornerstone's history, you know, God has brought so many wonderful families through and then sent them on into ministry. Um, you can never thank everybody personally, but I just thank you all together. I, I have a unique opportunity now to understand a passage of Scripture that you can read and understand for sure, but you, it won't be the same for you as it will be for me. And that's Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 17 through 20, where he said to the Thessalonian church, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. And as I look at all of you and I think back over the years, like you, you're my glory and joy. I understand. I hope I'm saying that in a, a God-honoring way. You're my glory and joy. Um, I understand Paul's words in a unique way. So let me just remind you of a couple of things. First of all, uh, we're not dying. All right, <laughs> remind us all of that. So don't treat us like we are. You're going to see us again. So I, I don't want this to be a, a sad time for us in that sense. It's a time of rejoicing. It's the end of one season, the beginning of a new, and all the excitement that comes with that. And so let's give thanks to God for all that. And may we always remember as a church, as individuals, as families, as pastors, as whatever God has for us, our weakness, our foolishness, and that all we have is Jesus Christ and the scriptures. Will you bow your heads? Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Uh, Jesus, thank you for being our everything. Um, you have sustained and cared for and loved us and provided, and so we give praise to you this morning, and I pray that we will not only remember our weakness and our foolishness and our commonness, but that we will actually rejoice in it, because in those things you work, and you use and you give glory to yourself through it, and so may we willingly and gladly revel in what you have done in us, through us, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.